Good morning. Roya has been sharing a series on the fruit of the spirit, and um, he's covered love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. And I'm joining him as we finish off with um, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What does it mean to be a good person? What does it mean to be a good person? Mr. Smith is a doctor who works in a free clinic for underprivileged children. Is he a good person? He lies on his income tax reports. On the weekends, he volunteers at the local animal shelter. He's cheating on his wife. His wife has been in a coma for 19 years. She went into the coma after a car accident where he was driving while under the influence. He has been sober for 19 years and was instrumental in bringing about a successful education campaign to reduce drunk driving. Is Mr. Smith a good person? How do you answer that question? Is goodness based on service about how much uh, you contribute to the world and to society around you? Is it about ethics, about making the right moral choices? Is it about character, about being brave and just and honest? Is it about how well you treat other people? Well, which people? What does it mean to be a good person? Philosophers, scientists, artists, and filmmakers have answered this question. But what does the Bible say about goodness? What does it mean to be a good person in God's eyes? One day Jesus was being with his disciples when a group of mothers brought their children they wanted them to be blessed by Jesus. This was a common practice in that day for rabbis to bless their children. In fact, every Sabbath, the parents would bless their children. They would lay their hands on their heads and they would say something like, Bless you, my child. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May he grow you to be, to be wise and loving and kind. And so this is something that um, I do with the kids once in a while. I'll, I'll say, I'm going to bless you and I'll do it. They love it. Well, the mothers, they wanted Jesus to, to bless these children. He had been in ministry for three years now. They knew that this was a man who performed miracles, who raised the dead, who taught incredible things. They knew, these mothers, that Jesus was special. And so they wanted to give these children a blessing from Jesus. But when they brought these children, the disciples rebuked them and said, Jesus doesn't have time for this. And as soon as Jesus sees and hears this, he turns around and he rebukes the disciples. Hey, let the little children come to me and don't keep them away. And Jesus says, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Anyone who wants to enter the kingdom of heaven must become like a little child. The children had never felt so special in their lives. And Jesus took each child on his lap, put his hands on them and bless them. Each one got a special blessing for his or her life, and they would never forget it. Those children felt so affirmed and appreciated, and this was a culture where children were, you know, seen but not heard, and, and they were at the bottom rung of, of, you know, the power hierarchy, and so these children felt so incredibly special, and the mother's hearts burst with gratitude and pride and excitement for what these lives, what their children's lives would look like now. Just then, as the last child was blessed and hugged and said goodbye to, as Jesus gets up to leave, a man runs up, falls on his knees, and says to Jesus, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? 
Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, "There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments." Which ones? He inquired. And Jesus replied, "You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself." All these I have kept," the young man said. "What do I still lack?" You see, this was someone who was called a good person. He was law-abiding and courteous. He was a young professional who worshipped faithfully every week, gave ten percent of his tithe, twenty percent of the offering, which is what、uh, the Jews did according to the Levitical、um, guidelines. They and he helped his his neighbors. He paid his employees well. He was kind to the elderly and the poor. He was a leader in the community. He kept all the commandments. He had a clear conscience. He was a good man. Everyone who knew him would have said that he is a shoe in to get into the kingdom of God. Besides, he's rich and successful, and surely that's a sign of God's blessing and approval, right? He was a religious leader to boot. Surely he had it all together. But even though everybody around him knew he was a good man, that young man knew in his heart that that wasn't enough. He was not like the other Pharisees who thought that they were more than good enough to get into the kingdom of God. The other Pharisees thought, one, we were born into this Jewish、um, faith; two, we were born into a privileged household with, with God's stamp of blessing and approval; three, you know, I have kept all of God's laws and I help, you know, and do all the things I'm supposed to do. Definitely getting into the kingdom of heaven. Definitely a good person, and in fact, better than. Everybody else is what they what they felt, but this man wasn't like that. He was like Nicodemus. You know, I preached about Nicodemus before.、Um, he and Nicodemus and Joseph and Arimathea and some other rich people they they felt that there was something still missing. That it wasn't just about doing good and about following all the rules and about、um, you know worshiping God. There was something still missing. And he wanted to know what it was, and so he had he had heard Jesus preaching, he had listened, he had witnessed Jesus's miracles, and he had seen in Jesus a goodness that was different from anything he had ever seen before. He recognized in Jesus a goodness that was divine, and he wanted it for himself. And so, as Jesus was blessing the children, this young man he wanted a blessing for himself as well. He wanted affirmation from Jesus as well. So he burst with the crowd. In Mark, you know, it says that he ran out, and and this is such a、uh, a great expression of how the, the the sincerity of this young man's heart, how much he wanted to know the answer to this question that's burning in his heart. He falls on his knees. It says in Mark, and he asks, "What good thing must I do to get eternal life?" And when Jesus says to him. Hey, do you even realize what you're asking here? There is one, only one, who is good, and that is God. And Jesus kind of sets the stage because he's trying to get this young man to realize that goodness doesn't come from what you do, but goodness comes from who you're with. And Jesus says to him, "Hey, do you keep all the commandments?" And the young man naively responds, "Yes, I do. I keep all the commandments." And and I love how how Mark says it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him and and he knew his heart that his naive declaration that he keeps all the commandments was actually not true 
Because notice how Jesus conveniently leaves out the commandment, you shall not covet. You should not be greedy for things and possessions. And Jesus left that out. And this young man, you know, he conveniently leaves out, you know, he thinks, yes, I've kept all the commandments. Yes, I love my neighbor as myself. But really? And as this young man is kneeling before Jesus, he, he, Jesus looks at him and he loves him and he thinks, oh, here's this young man who has so much potential, who has the courage to, to come in and kneel before him, who has the humility and the discernment to ask, what am I missing? And Jesus loved him. And because Jesus loves him, he tells him what he's actually missing. Mark chapter 10, verses 21 to 22. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. What was the one thing that this young man was missing? What was it that this young man didn't have? He had everything else together. He was a good man. He had a good life, but, but he still wasn't at peace. And, and that one thing that he lacked, Jesus lets him know, is himself is himself, the one who is good, the only one who is good. The young man wanted goodness for its reward, eternal life. But Jesus says, I am the reward. I am the reward. And, and he invites him into this teacher-disciple relationship. The rabbi-talmud relationship was a very special one. In the Jewish culture, it was an honor to be called by the rabbi. It was It was something that you know, was so such a privilege that if a child in your village was chosen to be a disciple of, of the local rabbi, the whole village would throw a celebration for this child. The family would feel so proud of their child. It was such a privilege to be selected because many are called, but few are chosen. And the rabbi would choose the most clever, the most brilliant, and, and the most teachable, and the one who was most likely to carry on his legacy and his teaching and to make more disciples, to, to you know, carrying on the work. And so when Jesus called, for example, Levi Matthew, who was a tax collector, to come and follow him, Levi Matthew just walked out of his tax collector booth, knowing that he would never get that job back. He left it and followed him. And so Matthew was able to write this record of what he witnessed, which became the book of Matthew. And, and he witnessed this rich young ruler kneeling before Jesus as Jesus asked him that very same, same question, gave him that same invitation, will you come, leave what you've got, and follow me? Had he said yes, we would know his name, but we only know him as the rich young ruler. His name would have been listed there along with Matthew Simon, Peter, James, John, Andrew, the disciples whose names we know and whose, whose interactions with Jesus we, we learn about. If this rich young ruler had said yes, he would have been there with them. But the young man looked at Jesus. He saw those eyes full of love. He thought about his great wealth, his promising career, his position in society, what his family would say. And he walked away in great sadness knowing what he was giving up. Was Jesus asking for too much? You know, not just selling half, but selling everything he has to give to the poor. But notice 
something that Jesus had shared, a parable that Jesus had had shared, that this young man surely would have heard before. Matthew chapter thirteen verse forty four, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and bought that field. You see, Jesus is not saying give up everything you have to have nothing. No, Jesus is saying give up everything you have so that you get greater treasure to come. You see, the man in the parable who sold everything he had to buy that field was was felt joy, was rejoicing, was excited because he knew that what he was giving up was less than what he was getting. He knew that the sacrifice was worth it. And when Jesus invited this rich young ruler to come and follow him, he didn't say give up everything you have and follow, you know, worthlessness. Jesus says, give up everything you have. Give to the poor, lay up treasure in heaven. So that word treasure is there. He's saying, "Hey, when you give to the poor, when you share what you've got, one, you're laying up treasure in heaven, and two, he says, come follow me, and trust that I'm going to provide for you." But this young man cannot give up what he has. He cannot recognize the treasure that is that special relationship with Jesus. He doesn't recognize the treasure that is uh, of laying up your investment for heaven in the sense of doing good for others, and he walks away. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, "How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God." The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, "Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God! It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God." The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, "Who then can be saved?" Jesus looked at them and said, "With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God." Then Peter spoke up, "We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you," Jesus replied, "No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age." Homes, brothers and sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see, in that time, people thought if you're rich, then it meant that God was blessing you, and that if you're suffering and you're struggling, that means somehow God is displeased with you. And so the disciples, you know, look at this rich young ruler, and and, he, and they don't understand. Hey, Jesus, what what do you mean the rich? It's it's hard for the rich to enter. Then then how do any of us have a chance? And I love how Jesus calls them children, because children are what God calls us to become. Right? He had said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to. Children, and that we have to become like children to enter it. Because you see, children are completely, utterly dependent on their parents. When a baby is born, it it cries and it trusts that the that the parent is going to feed that baby, and that as that baby grows, right, un- unless something goes wrong, that baby is always going to trust that the parents are going to provide. And they're going to completely continue to depend on their parents for shelter, for food, for for everything. And so, Jesus calls the disciples children because 
they actually have left everything and they are completely dependent on Jesus. Following him, this itinerant preacher around as he travels around Galilee and Jerusalem and Samaria, right? They depend on him for food and for shelter and for their every day. And Jesus says, yeah, you have done the right thing. You are children. You will get into the kingdom of God. But this rich young ruler, and not just him, but many rich, maybe rich in terms of they have a lot, they have a comfortable life. They, they don't realize or, or recognize a need for Jesus because they have a good life already, right? Why would they need Jesus? And, and for the rich young ruler, he's thinking, I've got such a good life. I've got a good thing going. How can I give that up and follow Jesus? He wasn't willing to become a child of God. He wasn't willing to, to become dependent, to become vulnerable. Little did he realize that Jesus owns all the riches and that Jesus can provide a hundredfold and that he can also give eternal life, that thing that this ritual ruler wanted so much. If he had let go of his self-sufficiency, if he had let go of, of that identity and that security that came from his status and his wealth and you know his life as he knew it, if he had learned to let go of that and take on the identity of being a disciple of Jesus, the security of being his child, his life would have been so different. But he couldn't let go of control. He didn't want to let go of his security. He didn't want to let go of his identity as he knew it. And so he walked away. How impossible it is for those who have a good life, a good job, a good home to feel the need for God. And yet, Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. There was another rich young ruler. He had great wealth and status, but he gave it all up to become a baby in a manger so that he could be Emmanuel, God with us. And he lived a truly good life. And he gave that up to die on the cross so that the impossible could happen, so that you and I could choose to follow him, so that you and I could become children of God, so that you and I would choose to be present with him just as he chose to be present with us. So that as we dwell with him, as we stay with him, as we walk with him, as we spend time with him, we become like him. And we take on his characteristics of love and joy and peace and kindness and patience and goodness. Paul, the first century theologian and pastor missionary wrote in Romans chapter 7, Verses 18 onwards, for I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. It's not on the Bible verse, honey. Yeah. I must not have gone through. All right. Well, you'll just have to bear with me as I read. Um, for I know that God, good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not know the good I want to do, um, for, sorry, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. 
For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, all things are possible with through Jesus. Of ourselves, it's so impossible to do good, to be good, to to be all those things that are the fruit of the Spirit, to be loving and joyful and peaceful and kind and you know gentle and all those self-controlled. But with Jesus, all things are possible. Jesus says to his disciples in John, and I'm sorry that somehow the slides um, got deleted in the transfer, but John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says to his disciples, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the rich young ruler had come and said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus was trying to tell him, hey, you cannot get goodness by doing. You can only get goodness by being with the only one who is truly good. By remaining with me, by following me and and being in a daily relationship with me. That's the only way that you can obtain goodness. That's the only way you can obtain eternal life. Because I'm the vine and you're the branches and and without me, you cannot bear any fruit. And so that invitation to us, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not one that is saying, Hey, you, you have to sacrifice so much. It's, it's an invitation of privilege, um, an invitation to something amazing where God is saying, Hey, come enter into a relationship with me and you will bear the fruit of righteousness. You will bear the fruit of goodness. You will bear the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and self-control. Imagine if we could have those things, right? You know, during this lockdown, Roy and I were struggling with all those things <laughs> as, as we homeschool Micah and as we keep our, uh, Joshua, um, entertained. Poor Joshua, like yesterday was singing in the corner by himself. He was singing, Oh, how I wish someone would play with me. Everybody's working. Oh, I wish someone would play with me. And you know, it's just, it's so hard to juggle everything right now. And it's, it's just so difficult to feel peace. And joy and love and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and, and uh, faithfulness and, and self-control. It's impossible. But God says, hey, you, I can give you those things. You can experience those things. Come, be with me. Remain with me. Stay with me. Build that relationship with me. Prioritize me. Pause that work for a moment. Right? Pause whatever it is you're pursuing. Come. Be present with me. And as you spend time with me, as you reflect my character, you will then have that fruit in your life. You will experience that love and that joy and that peace, that kindness and goodness. It might take a long time. It might take a lifetime to bear the fruit. Some of us are stubborn branches and it takes us a while to to really graft onto that tree and to really draw from him that strength, to draw for him that love and that joy and to really be with him in such a way that it transforms us. But the promise is, no matter how long it takes, even if it's a lifetime, the fruit will come. And the question is, 
do we want to be with him? Are we going to answer that call and that invitation of Jesus to come and be his disciple? Or do we feel like we're good enough without him? I pray that God's goodness will draw you to him and that you will choose to become his child. Let's pray. Jeremy, Father, we just want to thank you that you left everything to come and be a human being so that you could be with us. We thank you that you were willing to sacrifice knowing that what you were gaining, you considered treasure, that you consider us, your children, to be the greatest treasure of all. And we pray that we would also recognize a treasure in the relationship with you, that we would recognize that what we give up is so little compared to what we gain. And Father, so many of us struggle with letting go of control because it's hard. It's hard to trust like a child that you'll take care of us. But I pray that we will take that leap of faith, that we will answer the call like Levi Matthew did to follow you and to trust that you will take care of us, to trust that you will guide us and give us the fruit of the spirits. And Father, we, we plead for your Holy Spirit to draw us to you because of ourselves this choice is impossible but we believe that your holy spirit can make us can help us make that impossible choice help us to give up our pride and our love of independence and to choose to be in a relationship with you i pray in your son's name amen <music>